This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. As the deadline tightens for the Commonwealth Games, how ready are we? So this time in three years, so the 17th to the 29th of March, Geelong, Bendigo, Ballarat, Gippsland and Shepparton will be on the world stage. So what are the challenges and the concerns for our regional cities? Whether it be getting stadiums built on time, accommodation options for tourists and athletes and workers. What about having enough staff and volunteers? And once the Games is all over... What are the locals left with? Will they be left with world-class infrastructure and housing solutions? Good morning, I'm Rochelle Hunt, your co-host today, Fiona Parker, breakfast presenter at ABC Central Victoria in Bendigo. Fiona, it was first touted as a huge win for regional Victoria, but now the dust has settled. This time, in three years, we will be in the middle of the Commonwealth Games. So how ready are we and how are locals feeling about this, do you Look, think? Good morning, Rochelle. Yes, very good question. And no one wants to dismiss the excitement and the importance of this event heading to regional Victoria. And well done to the state government for taking it up because the Commonwealth Games Federation was having real trouble finding somewhere to host the 2026 mm. Games. So we, we've taken it, we've run with it. There are massive opportunities and we don't want to spend an hour being negative today. Uh, we have it. It's a good thing. The state government's spending on it, but we need to spend right. Mm. And you've already pointed towards the fact that this has to be done in record time. And in Bendigo, there are real concerns that things may not be ready. What if things aren't ready? What if that infrastructure isn't ready? Here in Bendigo, we've got a pop-up velodrome to be built for the track cycling, sporting facility upgrades, public transport upgrades needed, and of course, the Commonwealth Games Village for Bendigo. So just as an example, for the Com Games Village, they have chosen a site. They chose that a while ago, an old teacher's college that's not being used at the moment. It's just kind of a big block of grass with an old house in the middle. So most people do agree it's a good site for the Com Games Village. But with three years to go for an entire housing village to be built, a sod has not been turned yet. They're only up to soil testing, the geotechnical investigations. So they've just dug these boreholes to figure out groundwater and soil conditions so they can then do a detailed design, which is out for tender. But those that even takes time, you know. And once the build finally starts, they need everything to go well so it is ready on time. And that's just one example, just one of four Com Games villages to be built, not to mention everything else that's needed. All of a sudden, three years feels incredibly, incredibly short. And not only do these things need to be built in record time, they have to be built well so that the community can use them. They can become an asset for the local community. So where they're being built is really important. I know in Bendigo, people are happy. In Morwell, for example, and we're going to be speaking to the Deputy Mayor in just a moment, they're not so happy. Public transport issues, do we have enough 
drivers do we have? I mean, train stations, there's calls for extensions for train stations and platforms. Extensions to platforms and also more trains, more rolling stock. We need carriages to bring people. We want to encourage people to catch public transport to Bendigo, Ballarat, Geelong. We we want that, but we need the infrastructure in place and we need the rolling stock in place for that to happen as well. So that's another of many, many things that need to be done in record time. So maybe you're excited for the Commonwealth Games and you can't wait to either visit, be a part of it. Maybe you're even considering throwing your hand up to volunteer. But with three years to go, today, three years on, the Commonwealth Games will be in full swing. What concerns and challenges do you have if you live in a regional city centre that will be hosting the Commonwealth Games? What are you looking forward to and what are your concerns? A text here from Andrew in Ballarat. It says, if the Commonwealth Games is today in three years, well, it's raining here in Ballarat today, so we better have no outdoor events. But even the idea of travelling around, and we are going to be speaking to Jerome Weimar, this program at this hour as well. But looking at, I guess, for tourists, Fee, to understand how far it takes to get, say, from Morwell to Bendigo or from Shepparton to the CBD. The, it, we are a fairly big state. And if you are going to be driving, if you are going to be catching public transport, these are all things that need to be taken into consideration as well. So Tourism Victoria will weigh in today. How Mm. ready are we to be able to promote to visitors what they can and can't do? A day trip is a good thing? I don't know. Well, the thing is we do want accommodation to be used up. I mean, it will be. It'll be booked out and that's probably a problem as well. But we want um, people to stay in regional Victoria and spend in regional Victoria. So I'm sure many in Melbourne understand the logistics of if you want to see the boxing in Ballarat, then you probably on that same day won't end up at the artistic gymnastics in Geelong. But people from interstate might not get that and certainly international visitors will not understand uh, unless they research Mm. it, unless they are told perhaps in some kind of big campaign that this is spread out this is everywhere across the state you can't do three events in one day if they're on different if they're in different regional cities Dan Clancy is the Deputy Mayor of the Latrobe Valley. Dan, we just heard from Andrew and Ballarat saying it's raining there today. I hope there's no outdoor events if the Com <laughs> Games are today, but in three years' time. Three years, it seems like you've got a fair bit of water to go under the bridge, but there's a lot of work to be done. What concerns have you got in Gippsland? Yeah, there is a lot of uh, work to be done, and, and it's good to say um, that it's not raining here in uh, Latrobe City, which is which is fantastic news, but... Um, but we do have some outdoor events as well. And I think the concerns, and, and certainly in, in your introduction there, Rish and Fiona's as well, is that there, it is going to be very, very tight. And we're aware of the, of the tightness of it, certainly for villages, but also to get those stadiums ready as well. Um, but it can be done. And I think that we've seen uh, large builds be, be done within sort of that 12 and 18 month and two year period. But I suppose the concern that, that we would have, and certainly my personal concern, would be that it, it, it needs to be done well. Um, we can put up temporary, temp, uh, temporary infrastructure, we can put up temporary housing, we can put up a lot of temporary, but that doesn't do anything for the legacy. And there's been a, a, a lot of talk around what will be left after the Games. And if it isn't done well, then it won't be left after the Games. So we, it, we've got to be thinking about now we have to be thinking about when the games are on but also when the games have gone 
And, and I think that that's the challenge, that, um, the tight timeframes are adding to that challenge. Mm, because with a tight timeframe, you don't want to then compromise quality, do you? Because you want a legacy. You want, for example, with the Commonwealth Games uh, Villages, you want social housing or a mix of social, maybe in student accommodation, which is being looked at in Bendigo. Uh, and but, but you need that to be quality built in the first place for it to last. And same goes with the sporting facilities. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and uh, that is the challenge. Is at the moment we're looking at the business cases of of the sporting um, facilities at the moment. Some some are ready to go. We've got badminton, we've got cricket, we've got cycling and rugby down here, uh, and and some of those those stadiums are ready to go. Uh, some aren't. We we do need to do some significant work, or the, you know, and the comms games um, committee needs to do some significant work to get those stadiums up. Uh, but once they're built. What will happen? So, and I use the example of of a, of a soccer group who might be using where the rugby are going to be. What will that soccer group now be able to do on a Tuesday night for the under 12s at a 5,000 seat um, stadium? Is that too big? Can they now afford to use it? So, there's there's those questions. We need to keep a nice balance between what the community wants from their ongoing use as well as what the community will benefit from to having the games here and the community are very excited about it no doubt and it's very easy to think yeah wow five thousand seat stadium that's incredible you know we mm. p- play soccer every wednesday and thursday night and training and whatnot but if you don't have access to that in an everyday fashion is that something that is legitimately concerning locals mm. i mean you would hope yeah, that they're absolutely. being built and we get to use them all the time that's the benefit of having it in regional parts of the state absolutely and, and but i think the other concern is and this is what i'm hearing from certainly you know local soccer group they say if you've got a five thousand, and i don't know the number i'm using that as an anecdote but we've got a large stadium well, we could now use that large stadium for other events. We could be attracting international events, you know, when Man United come out and play. But what does that mean for our season, for the for the under-12s or the under-16s? Are we then going to be bumped and have to go and, and play mm-hmm. at the back paddock because we're no longer as important as that international or, or the A-League coming down every every month? Um, so we, we've got to sort of try to get that Gosh, that's, that's hard, that's though, Dan, it is. isn't it? Because... There's two sides to that. Let's say hypothetically the A-League did come down every month, then local businesses and tourism would benefit from that. So there's a negative side to it that maybe doesn't get used on a training for Tuesday night, but there's something awesome to go to on the weekend. That's right. And you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. And you you, you have to to say that is a fantastic benefit. We've seen uh, the injection of um, uh, infrastructure is good for our economy. It's good for our ongoing um, livability. It's good for our population base as it increases and we have people move here because we've got great facilities we've got great schools and great health and that's that they're all the benefits of having great infrastructure but but the balance is making sure that we can still put um you know students on onto a, a netball court to be able to train on a, on a wednesday afternoon and even during this planning phase as well, bringing along those local clubs if their facility is being upgraded, uh, that they understand when they can't use the stadium or the ground while that's happening as well and making sure you keep up their enthusiasm um, because there's this big event coming in and it's for the benefit of everybody. Uh, and also the inclusion of people within that too and exciting to see how homegrown talent goes competing in the Commonwealth 
Commonwealth Games and uh, that we're in, uh, announcing they were hosting the track cycling here in Bendigo and we've got a cycling champion, Alessia McCaig, who will very likely be competing in a Commonwealth Games in her hometown of Bendigo. I mean, who would have thought, right, when she mm. was growing up that the Com Games would come to town in the year she's due to really peak in her cycling career and we'd be hosting the cycling you save years. on accommodation costs. You yeah, that's mom and very dad. true. <laughs> that's very true. But, you know, the, the stories like that that really bring it home how exciting mm. it can be, but you do have to bring people along with you. Just finally, Dan, we were talking about housing and housing being, we know in this state we need more housing and we're at a crisis point for our housing. Are you happy where the Commonwealth Games uh, accommodation is being built and how it will be used once the Games leaves? Uh, I will say this, I've done a lot of work on this, the community housing, social housing sort of models and I've attended a number of seminars on that. We are in a housing crisis across Victoria, there is no doubt about that, and that's regional Victoria as well as in the cities. Um, and every single time, and we've seen this across uh, multiple regional cities in Shepparton and Bendigo and Ballarat, as well as down here, every single time there is a proposal for a solution to solve one of those, a very small part of that, we have we have communities who say, I, I think that social housing is good, but I don't want it in my neighbourhood. And I think that that is a natural reaction that people go through. But I think that wherever the Games Village is proposed here, we would have opposition for it because of the people who live near it. And anywhere that the Games Village is going to go in any of the other regional centres, people are probably going to say, is this the ideal spot for it? But it needs to be close to transport, it needs to be close to services. And it needs to be um, built well. You know, there's going to be, be there's well. going we to be NIMBYs no matter where you go, right? There's yeah, always yeah, yeah. going to be a NIMBY. But if it is built well, then... That. Absolutely. So that With is a good a big intent, part of it. yes. Yeah. And, and I think that's the hard thing that people are hearing at the moment down here. And once again, it's just the, the rumour mill of the street where people are saying, well, if the athletes need to be housed six at, six at a house or six at a unit. How's that going to look into the future? Do they need yeah. to be rebuilt afterwards and repurposed or will, will that, that be the structure going forward? So well, there's lots of consultation that needs to be done. We'll speak to VCOS later in the program as well and they'll weigh yeah. in on this. Dan, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Great. Thanks very much. It's Deputy Mayor there, Dan Clancy. Plenty of texts, Fiona Parker, on this. Why are we hosting the Commonwealth Games in regional Victoria when Melbourne already has world-class facilities, a dense and established public transport network, and all the events are with easy reach of each other? There, I mean, that is the simple solution, but there is huge benefits, right? Okay, again, as you said at the top fee, we don't want to sound like we're being negative here because we want this to be a success, yeah? Of course we do. We want this to work. We've got three years, so there's still, <laughs> there's still time for it to be successful. I think one of the reasons that regional Victoria is hosting it is because of that push for decentralisation and this is an opportunity then for regional cities to develop infrastructure and to be able to... Um, integrate their uh, sporting facilities, mm. housing, uh, roads as well, walking paths, all of that. There's a real opportunity for that. So I think that's one of the reasons why the state government looked at this and said, well, why don't we try hosting it in the regional centres and then that's a benefit for them into the future. Uh, the other thing, of course, is that uh, the Commonwealth Games Federation let's face it, there was nowhere else. They came to the state government and they, the state government and the federation talked it through and that's how Victoria itself ended up with it. But, you know, in terms of why isn't Melbourne hosting it, that's another question altogether. Laurie's called through at Burton's Lookout. Good morning. 
Laurie, you're on air. Yeah. Hello. Hi. What did you want to say? Um, it was really a question for Jerome Weinmar. I work in public transport, but I, I go past Newport workshops and I see a lot of the country carriages appear to be in the scrap road. And I'm concerned that we may not have enough rolling stock. We'd rather have people going by train for the longer distances than be in um, buses on the road. Well, Jerome's coming up in just a moment, so we'll put those concerns to him. Laurie, thank you. This is The Conversation Hour. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Rochelle Hunt with you. I'm Melbourne. Fiona Parker joining you from ABC Bendigo. Three years pretty much from today, we will be in the midst of the Commonwealth Games. Plenty of texts on this fee. Fiona, uh, sorry, Peter says, G'day. While Ballarat Stadium is already a brilliant facility, it hosts AFL men's and women's games, other events. It's utterly ludicrous that there has been no attempt to build a simple platform from the adjacent railway line. Visitors from Melbourne could literally travel by train directly to the ground. It's a no-brainer. It would be great for the Com Games and into the future for other events. It doesn't have to be in a big and expensive station, just a simple platform, a safe road crossing. Many of us have been pleading with the state government to do that. Well, who knows? It may be on the plans, but they've got lots of other things to worry about first, of course. And Bendigo Stadium, uh, they're doing a lot of work out there so we can host the netball, uh, just like Ballarat's got the stadium for the AFL. Bendigo's stadium is excellent for uh, basketball and hosts national basketball games, but now needs to be brought up to scratch so we can host the netball here. So a lot of work to be done there as well. Um, One would hope they're thinking about this. I know that in terms of of that ease of access to venues. There has been a lot of thinking behind that already and planning going on uh, and they are wanting to bring people off the train wherever they may land in regional Victoria and to the venues as simply Simply. and easily as possible. Jerome Weimar is the Chief Executive Officer of the Victoria's 2026 Commonwealth Games. Jerome, a warm welcome to the Conversation Hour. This time in three years, we will be... Smack bang in the middle of the Commonwealth Games. Are you feeling confident that we'll be ready? Yeah. Good morning, Rochelle, and uh, like absolutely confident and, and excited. I mean, in uh, in three years' time, we'll be on day ten of our Commonwealth Games program. Yeah, we'll probably be seeing you know diving, athletics, beach volleyball, hockey, cycling, T twenty, netball, and more, all happening at the same time in in all of our you know four or five game cities so it's a it's a really exciting program it's a big program and and the conversation you've been having this morning goes right to the heart of some of the things that we're we're working on to uh, to make sure these are going to be a fantastic set of games and a a real legacy for uh, regional victoria not an unexpected answer from you there jerome but we have been talking tight timelines are you not at all at least a little bit worried that it's not going to be ready no, very focused. I mean, we, we've had just under four years to prepare for these games. That's the shortest period that any of these major multi-games uh, programs has ever had to deliver these games. But as you've also acknowledged, you know, we're using a lot of the existing community sports venues that are already up and running. So uh, if I look at the, uh, if I look at Bendigo Stadium that you've mentioned, if I look at Eureka Stadium, we're already using existing infrastructure where we possibly can. Of course, we've got more work to do to expand capacity, to improve the broadcast, the lighting and, and various other things. All that will give us a long-term benefit. But yes, there's a lot of work to do, particularly around the, the, the four athletes' villages that we'll be building in 
Geelong, Ballarat, Bendigo and Morwell. Uh, and of course, the, uh, the new aquatic centre and the new weightlifting mm. centre down in uh, Geelong. Jerome, you'll be able to wear two hats on this level very easily given when we talk about public transport and so many people cannot keep up with the text of people worried about whether or not public transport will be able to keep up. That's just not you know, platform extensions. But here's one example from Karen. It says, V-Line can't provide enough carriages to Ballarat and Geelong after a Collingwood-Geelong game. We need to work on public transport big time. I mean, everything from enough trains and enough workers and staff to to work on these lines, public transport is a concern for a lot of Victorians, I think. Yeah, look, and absolutely. The reason we've, yeah, we we will continue. We're working very closely now with with V Line and our transport colleagues to to see where we can maximise capacity on the on the public transport network. And the reason we've chosen Ballarat, Geelong, Bendigo, and and, and Morwell is because they're already connected to good road links and good rail links. But we need to see what we can to to improve capacity. You know, the, the question from Laurie earlier: We've got over three hundred velocity carriages out there on the on the V Line network already at the moment. I was on a train myself coming down from Bendigo the other week. And Look, the, yeah, the trains are being well used. We'll see. Yeah, we're working very closely to see how we can improve capacity, particularly those peaks. But remember, we're also bringing people from across Victoria, not just up and down from Melbourne. So we've got a broad regional Victorian community we want to ensure can participate in the games. We're looking very closely with our bus operators and our coach operators, and we'll be looking at opportunities for park and ride. So every every bit of the transport network is going to have to you know, carry its load. Um, I'm very confident that we're, we're putting the plans together working with local communities to ensure that we can get people to the games and also to enjoy all the other things that are happening in Bendigo, Ballarat, Geelong and and the wider Latrobe Valley whilst they're there watching uh, some fabulous sport. Will there be enough rolling stock? Oh, look, there'll be they'll, they'll rolling stock. Yeah, they'll, they'll be. We'll use every bit of rolling stock that we've got, and there's more rolling stock being built as we speak at this point in time. And we'll continue to work with with V Line and the transport providers to maximise the use of that. But let's be very clear. Yeah, V Line will be a critical input component for a lot of people to come and be part of these games and the festivals on the whole wider program that we're working on. But there'll people also be driving in from from broader parts of regional Victoria. They'll be people using coaches, park and ride, all these other. Uh, all these other modes will be part of our solution, not just the trains. Jerome Weimar is with you, the Chief Executive Officer of the Victorian 2026 Commonwealth Games. Day trippers are a concern for some people, and we will be speaking to Tourism Victoria in just a moment. Day trippers, we know universally, don't spend as much money as those that stay for longer times. They're not going out to dinner, they're not going to the gallery or whatever it may be. Yet we are going to be relying on day trippers to a, a certain degree because we just don't have enough accommodation. And And on top of that, when we talk accommodation, there are grave concerns from people like VCOS, who we'll also be speaking with, about how that accommodation is used and how locals are protected to ensure that they're safe and that they don't get bumped out for short stays accommodation. Are you working closely with the state government to ensure that locals are protected throughout this time? Absolutely. We're working with every every part of state government to, to make sure that local residents, local communities get the benefit of these particular games. So these are there, there are huge, yeah, significant opportunities for uh, for the employment opportunities, the volunteering opportunities that we'll create, not just over the 12 days of the Com Games program, but also in the run up to the Com Games. There's a lot of work that needs to be done that creates significant employment and, 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 and volunteering and other types of uh, opportunities that we'd like local people to, to participate in. And we are encouraging people 
people to to stay up in those regions. Of course, we want as many people going to the games to stay up in uh, in our regional cities as well as outside of our regional cities. And that is about also, you know, I was at a transport conference with Felicia a week or two ago. It's encouraging the industry saying now is a time for us to lift up the capacity for tourists in wider regional Victoria. That's why we're putting these games on. One, to improve the facilities that are already there, but secondly, to say to the world that some fabulous tourism opportunities within wider regional Victoria come out and give it a go. But in order to do that, we need everybody to come and be part of lifting that capacity for to accommodate not just the visitors for the games, but the visitors that will come after the games. Mm, then there's also visitors that will be here who will be helping construct the games. And I know that VCOS are concerned about, say, the um, caravan parks hosting construction workers and people who might be staying at, in, in a caravan or uh, um, are, are in really unstable housing will then be kicked out in favour of these construction workers and the company can pay more um, and, and all of that. So there's those issues as well. But whenever we hear from from the likes of yourself or the Bendigo Mayor or the Deputy Premier Jacinta Allen, who's also the Minister for Commonwealth Games and member for Bendigo East as well. Uh, Everyone's really excited. So Mm. I just want to bring us back to that point as well that uh, Jacinta Allen says people are coming up to her at athletics events in Bendigo and saying, you know, we're thrilled the Commonwealth Games are coming to Bendigo. Well done. But I guess it's the nuts and bolts of getting it done and not disadvantaging people, local communities uh, during the time, during the lead up in the next three years Mm. and then also during the Games and then not leaving these legacies of white elephants there as well. So, I mean, it's a huge task and no one one envies you, I don't think, Jerome. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that, Fiona. I think it's 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 a very enjoyable role at the moment uh, and look, it, it, look that, that point's exceptionally well made and we're very alive to working with local councils and local communities about as i said how we how we ensure these games benefit the ongoing development of, of cities like bendigo and ballarat and geelong and look there's been a lot of development there's been a lot of phenomenal you know arts and culture and sports infrastructure developed in in, in these cities over the last few years uh, if you look at you know bendigo art gallery you look at the uh, the, the one the, the enhancements of the uh, i'm looking at the cat stadium at the moment jimmy bh stadium here at the moment it, it, these are all fantastic pieces of infrastructure we want to make more use of that and the games are part of helping that ongoing growth mm-hmm. and development not just for 12 days but beyond that I think it's a very fair point to say, you know, we, we of course want to ensure that we work with local agencies and local councils around how local people get the benefits of these particular games. And that includes, of course, people who are who are struggling to access the workforce or who are, who, who need to and, and the need to address the availability of accommodation. And, and don't forget, you know, the 7,000 athletes that will be uh, living in these athletes' villages for the two weeks of the games, we will leave that, that, that creates a social housing opportunity for some of that capacity to go into the wider social housing market. And that, again, will improve capacity in, in our regional towns and cities. And just finally, Jerome, are you worried about workforce? We have a workforce shortage in particular in construction already at the moment. We've got a three-year deadline. Are you in discussions at all with the, the state government about whether or not we will need to bring in additional workers from overseas or if we have the capacity to build that here without it being, um, you know, working against locals again? Yeah, look, I mean, we're, we're having early conversations with with with, employ- with, with, with industry, with employers, uh, and with the sector to say, you know, what is the capacity in the sector to to do the construction work, but also all the, the rest of the supply chain. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we announced, you know, there's, a, there's 1,200 different contracts that we expect to issue over the next two or three years as part of the game's work. We want local businesses to be in the front row to get access to those to those opportunities. And the, over- the overriding feedback we're getting from businesses, this is a great opportunity for 
us to to do great work to share what we can do to be part of team victoria in putting these games on um so yes do i think it's going to be tight sure but yeah we're a big state we've got over six million people across the state and we want to ensure that we work collectively to get these games done and and i'm, I'm confident we've got the uh, the, the the know-how the expertise the innovation and and, and the workforce uh, to do just that well, the the clock is a ticking, so we might let you get back to it. <laughs> Jerome, thanks for your time. Jerome Weimar, right, he's you. the Chief Executive Officer of the Victorian 2026 Commonwealth Games. Three years from now, so oh, many wow. texts on this, Fiona. I mean, this is interesting. It says there won't be enough accommodation if you keep screwing over short stays. You've got it all wrong. And that's the thing, right? Short stays is tricky. It does provide accommodation in towns that maybe doesn't have a lot, a lot of accommodation. We've seen the days of big motels and hotels fall to the wayside as a result. But we know all of the issues that short stays can create. But then the flip side, people that run them say, we are providing a service here. We are a part of the world of tourism. David's in Torquay, an area that's already affected by short stays. Morning, David. What did you want to say? Oh, look, I was hoping to make a point to Jerome that uh, I think uh, somebody in the government has dropped the ball here. We've got the Geelong Road works, the tunnel works that have been going on for six years now. We've been looking at those signs saying, you know, we're going to save you 20 minutes. Uh, and this is going to be super fast and super quick. Some days it takes three hours now to get from Torquay to Melbourne if anything happens on that road because of the way it's designed. Mm. It feels like there's roadworks absolutely everywhere at the moment. And roadworks, I mean, David's bang on. It's it's going to play a big part. Not everyone will be jumping on public transport. And if there's not enough public transport, we are going to be expecting people to drive or hire cars. And Absolutely. Ease of access. And it's not just about filling in potholes after last October's floods either. It's, it's about creating the road infrastructure, the rail infrastructure, and then talking about rolling stock on trains there, Rochelle, there's also uh, coaches and buses and uh, what about moving around town when you arrive in Bendigo? How will you get from A to B? Are they going to have shuttle buses? Well, I mean, all of that has to be planned. The logistics are immense and this is in four regional cities across Victoria. Do you have enough shuttle buses? I mean, how many minibuses do you currently have? <laughs> I mean, I love a shuttle bus, right? Don't get me wrong, but we're going to need a lot of them. Ian's in Ocean Grove. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm concerned that uh, we, we've all got problems with building uh, building houses for normal residents now, and I, I don't see a problem getting better. And if particularly if the uh, Ukraine war continues, we are going to be pushing proverbials. Yeah, and uh, I think that's what Dan was saying before. It's one thing to, to build accommodation, but if they're built fee in a way to house and sleep six athletes in one mm, room... Mm, like a dorm facility. Who's that's, that going to benefit That's not in the housing, run? exactly. That's not housing as such, is it? No, it's uh, absolutely not. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. And Victoria, three years pretty much from today, will be smack bang in the middle of the Commonwealth Games. How ready are we? Rochelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne. Fiona Parker joining you from ABC Bendigo. Jeff 
in Tulangi has raised an issue here that we haven't spoken about, Fiona. Let's add this to the list, right? I hope they're planning for power, water, wastewater, all of these things to be upgraded. We currently have new housing developments with no thoughts given to any of the above. Mm, mm, footpaths. And I was talking uh, at the beginning of the show about doing the soil testing for the Commonwealth Games Village. Uh, they needed to bore down just to check wh- what was where below the surface in order to then design uh, the Commonwealth Games Village around being able to provide the water and the electricity and all of that. So, you know, there's there's lots of planning that goes into it and, uh, you know, those concerns about us not being ready. Jerome can say, yes, we're working really hard. Of course, everyone is. Uh, we know that uh, Bendigo Council uh, has appointed a manager for the Commonwealth Games delivery and that manager is talking often to Jerome Weimar's office. Of course, everyone's trying their best and working really hard, but you get one slip up, you get delays as you were talking about. Uh, you know, And it's the international issue with um, demand and supply and you have, what, three months, six months delay and you are you know, right on the back foot for trying to get it done in time. And, uh, yes, it's, 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 it's legitimate concerns. Felicia, Felicia, sorry, Mariani is from Tourism Victoria. Felicia, lots of meetings being had all around the state, of which you are many of them. I know Jerome Weimar was just talking about the fact that he's been in constant meetings with yourself. Texts today around tourism and how we can support tourists and how small and uh, businesses and smaller areas can benefit from this. One text is a good example says you can't have it both ways. You can't have day trippers and then complain about overnighters. When it comes to the tourism opportunities, are we grabbing everything we can? Yeah, Rochelle, look, that's that's probably the $64,000 question. And I think certainly the industry is preparing to try and do that. And that's a lot about why we've been having all the conversations that we have with the organising committee. Um, Jerome and his team have been great in connecting with us early on. But there is a, a lot of work for us to do to get this right. Let's remember that we've actually spread this around to five locations, if you count Shepparton into that as well. So, um, you know, it, it's a big task. I mean, putting on a big major global event like this is always a a huge ask of any destination and we've just kind of multiplied the challenge by five. So I think one of the things we've talked about is the role that the tourism industry can play in making sure that we deliver the very best experiences for our visitors. And we've really been working with the organising committee across three key areas. One of those is around accommodation, which of course that is going to be a real pressure point. But as someone else highlighted, this tour and transport issue is going to be enormous. You know, you can rely on public transport to get you to the to the destination, if you will, but it's that last mile from the station to the venue. And then how do they get around while they're there in the community? And then of course, the final piece of this is around visitor servicing. So these are the sort of three key areas where we've been, you know, aligning and and engaging quite deeply with the organizing committee because we see tourism as major players in those three parts of the games delivery. There's a lot lot more, but those are the areas that we see where tourism can really add value and can really support the objectives of the organising committee. Are you worried that this being across four regional cities plus Shepparton, or we'll call Shepparton a regional city, we'll give them that, but Mm -hmm. if uh, that people will come from either interstate or overseas, arrive in Victoria, but not fully understand how far away venues are from each other? Mm. 
Mm. Well, I think that's one, and I, unfortunately, I didn't hear all of Jerome's discussion with Rochelle, but one of the key things I know that they're talking about is the importance of trying to keep people in a hub for the day. So this whole idea is, you know, if you go to Geelong, for instance, for a sporting event in the morning, don't try and think that you can get to Gippsland by the afternoon. But how do you get that message trips. across? Well, how do you get that message across before people arrive that you can't get from Morewell to Bendigo in an instant? That's part of the communications that you work through with, um, and I, you know, there'll be a lot of contracts again, as Jerome was talking about. They are, um, you know, um, supporting the tenders across a whole range of communication strategies. Part of those is around accommodation. Part of those is around booking capability. People will be buying tickets for these events. So once those tickets are purchased, that's how the communication stream opens with these people to get to them ahead of time so that you can start to talk about how we want them to engage with the destination. What are the challenges, as you were talking about, in getting from point A mm. to point B and the distances that are involved. So once people actually purchase tickets, that's how we can start that communication stream. And then when they go to the accommodation, that's another communication stream that we can start. But there is there is a, a lot of work that needs to go on without doubt between now and then to make sure that we're communicating exactly that issue because it will be a challenge and people have to understand that it's highly unlikely unless you've got your own car that you're going to be able to drive or use public transport, mm. I should say, to get from Geelong to Gippsland in the same day. How how many volunteers are we going to need? Do you think that we're going to have the numbers? Because a lot of tourism, especially in big events like Com Games or Olympic Games, relies on people volunteering their time and instructing people where to go and giving information, especially locals in the area that know it like the back of their hand. Is there a recruitment process for tourism in local areas to say, look, we're going to need you in three years' time? Yeah, and that's part of the visitor servicing piece that I spoke about in the beginning in terms of our connection point to the to the games and why we think it's really important for tourism to be connected as early as possible. Um, because the numbers of, there'll be, you know, 10, 15,000 volunteers that are probably going to be needed for an event like this. And again, because we're spreading across five different destinations in terms of the games delivery. So um, we want to work closely with the organising committee in well, first and foremost, trying to secure that many is going to be a challenge, absolutely. But then there is the whole training element. But what would be great and what we're thinking about as one of the legacies, if we can get volunteers to touch our industry through this event, it would be wonderful to think that we could keep some of those volunteers connected to our industry post the event. Mm. So mm. that would be a great legacy if we could attract the volunteers, help train the volunteers through some of the resources that we've got available as an industry from customer service training, and then hopefully keep some of those people because you know they've gotten the bug of being part of the tourism industry, which would be magnificent. And it's a great opportunity for those individuals as well. People love the volunteers during the Commonwealth mm. Games or the Olympics mm. or any mm. big sporting event. And we're talking mm. about it over mm. my dining table the other night. I've got a teenage son <coughs> in three years. He'll be the perfect age mm. to volunteer mm. at one of the sporting venues. Yeah. Great for his resume. I myself mm. would be excellent at greeting people at Bendigo <laughs> train station. I'll put my hand up for that. But there good. are all those, you know, really good opportunities. Yeah for yeah. locals to yeah. really show off their city and show yeah. off their region yeah, and, and talk, talk it up to visitors. Yeah, 
and I think you've hit the nail on the head there. There is a lot of pride in local communities, whether they're regional communities or metro communities. There's a lot of pride in community when these events take place. So how do we harness that pride? And, you know, particularly I would be suggesting the largest proportion of volunteers are going to have to come from a predominant radius within each of those hubs because it's going to be really challenging to move people from metropolitan areas into regional areas for volunteer work on a daily basis. So it's not that you're going to solve the whole number required within the region, but I would like to think that the predominant number of volunteers required in each region would come mm. from, you know, somewhere within a certain radius of that locale. And that's just logistically, it just makes sense. Yeah. And um, then and that's no one knows thought, the area like locals. Mm. And that's something when oh, we talk absolutely. about legacy, yeah. I didn't think about mm. volunteers falling into, you know, what, you know, mm. I feel like the word legacy is going to get used a lot over the next couple <laughs> of years. But I, you know, I do love the idea of volunteers being a part of that. Felicia, thanks so much for your time as always. That's a pleasure. Lovely to speak with you and a great topic that you're addressing right now. So well done. Felicia Mariani <laughs> from you. Tourism Victoria. I do feel like legacy is whether it's <laughs> going to be used as a bit of a cop out too for things. Who knows? Like, well, this will be a legacy, but, you know, a good legacy or the a bad legacy. Games <laughs> legacy. They're, well, they're, they're talking about participation legacy as well, that, you know, people see the lawn balls in Bendigo and then want to take it up or uh, certainly those sports that perhaps don't get too much uh, interest over the the usual course of a four-year cycle will suddenly be on the front page of the local paper in Geelong, for example. And so record numbers of people wanting to that's participate. That's right, wanting to participate. They had that in Birmingham, apparently. So there are studies being undertaken to look at that for regional Victoria specifically as well and how to plan for an increased interest in, say, <laughs> gymnastics or, oh, right. or um, badminton. Of course, and depending on how well you do too. And, you know, you always have the people that shine, that come out and everybody gets obsessed with. And then participation, whether it be basketball with Patty Mills or whoever, you know, you see people wanting to participate. Hadn't thought of that either. Mm -hmm. Concerns around housing is a big part of the Commonwealth Games conversation. And no matter which part of the state you're talking about, Emma King, the CEO of VCOS. Emma, you've already been thinking about this in great detail. What are your main concerns? Because it could be a big opportunity. We need housing housing and we need housing built quickly. So one way to accelerate that, even though we're sort of going through the side door, is through the Commonwealth Games. So is this not an opportunity for us to get housing built for those that need it quickly? It is that opportunity, and um, dare I say it, I'll use the word legacy again, we want to <laughs> we want to leave a legacy for good, <laughs> and this is a great opportunity to do that, because it's not only about sport, it's about building the state, and what a fantastic opportunity in our beautiful regional communities, where we know housing is such a huge issue at the moment, um, so, so whilst we focus on where the risks are, we also want to focus on where the opportunities are, and we've got huge opportunities here, where we've got proper is being built and you know for example we're advocating really strongly to have at least 30 percent of all athletes village accommodation that's suitable accommodation to be converted into permanent social housing after the game so there's huge opportunities here as well what are you hearing from the state government on that well we keep pushing the point we haven't had a, i'd love it if we'd had a direct commitment 
back. Um, I think there's lots of people lobbying the state government for things like student accommodation and others as well, which is, you know, is understandable too. But we know when it comes to the need, the desperate need that we've got for social housing, we know there's a desperate need. And what a fantastic opportunity this is while there's a huge construction blitz taking place Mm. um, alongside the big build that the government's already invested into. So, you know, we're hoping for some positive signs um, around that front, maybe even as soon as this budget. So let's see how we go. How concerned are you for those that don't have any form of secure housing? We know that we're seeing a a growing number of people living in caravan parks, in short stays, that we have a growing number of those that find themselves homeless. And in previous games uh, around the world, whether it be Commonwealth or Olympic, we do see the the move-on rule. We see homeless people moved out of city centres. We see caravan parks, which people can't really have long-term contracts with those that own the caravan park. They have to be moved on every couple of months anyhow, even though there are lots of loopholes to get around that. But you will probably see a lot of people kicked out of things like caravan parks. Do we need some rules and regulations put into place now so that that doesn't happen? We do. Um, we're focusing on four key areas. There's obviously more. One is around regulating the rent increases around game sites. So we know that around, you know, for example, the London Olympics, rents went up about 400% and they never returned to normal. What we've seen in other um States, so for all territories, so the ACT already limits rent increases to 10% each year. You know, I think it's really important to look at that and very important to look at that as we lead into the Games. Uh, we've got to stop a rush on homestays and really look at how we develop strategies in partnership with councils and property investors so that we keep properties as traditional rentals, not temporary holiday accommodation, because it will make it will only exacerbate the situation that we're already seeing. We need to boost crisis stock, um, and that's another you know 500 new social housing properties across the four host sites and picking up Shep as well. And then, as you say, ban the move-on approaches. So really, we've seen overseas um, Mm. some approaches that have really been taken to moving on people who are, you know, might be rough sleeping during the games, looking at how we protect that. And going to the point you make around caravan parks and motels, you know, we know that for many people who are the most vulnerable, you know, after financial breakdowns or fleeing domestic violence or newly homeless, they go to caravan parks and they go to motels. So what happens when there's no vacancy yeah. signs for months on end? And that's even during construction phase as well, if you've got demand that's from right. construction yeah, workers right. using those caravan parks. And hopefully we can see this as, you know, there is great opportunity here to get homes built as long as we keep a dual purpose in the back of our mind, that it's not just for athletes, that down the track, these homes, these houses, these big apartments are going to be left here. How can they be used by the community? Emma, thanks so much for your time. As always, we appreciate it. Thank you. And can I just say, Fiona, I think you'd be brilliant at the Bendigo station, <laughs> welcoming everyone to the community. So um, I, I wanted to have a placard. You. You're going to have signs. All right. Well, I, I want, I'm sure that they will design a very funky, uh, yeah, collared shirt for me to don <laughs> as I stand there in my Commonwealth Games colours. And uh, You're just doing it for the polo shirt, uh, aren't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> style, style, and like the, the very important looking neck tag thing I'll be wearing around, yeah, I'm It'll the be lanyard. great. I'm, I'm already starting to regret that uh, yeah. comment anyway. <laughs> Emma, thank you so much. Thank Emma King, so much. the CEO of VCOS. Josie's in Heidelberg West and she says, I live in a renovated 1950s Olympic village house. It was quickly turned into public housing after the Olympics and we love it. 
Not a lot of, as much talk as we'd hoped about Shepparton today. So let's go to Margaret. She's in Shep. Hi, Margaret. Oh, good morning. I'm actually in Kyala, which is like a suburb of Shepparton. Uh, I just wanted uh, to mention that uh, I haven't heard anybody mention that it was Shepparton that first uh, suggested the idea that uh, rural areas of uh, Victoria uh, could uh, host the Games. And uh, uh, Shepparton didn't even get a, a first-round offer of anything major. They had to fight to get a sort of a second-round offer, and I just thought it would be nice if um, somebody gave Shepparton mm. that sort of... Um, so you feel um, like you could have done more there? I think you weren't alone there, Margaret. Lots of people thought that Shepparton could have hosted more and hosted some of the key yeah. events. Well, Shepparton's getting the BMX uh, cycling, as I understand it. And well, they've also already hosted the... that for years. They've got a lot of great inf- mm. BMX infrastructure there. And some of the cycling uh, road time trials. So that'll be across uh, Shepparton and some in Gippsland as well. But look, she's perfectly right. Shepparton was very much part of that initial push. I remember seeing it in the paper in the morning and thinking, you have got to be dreaming. There is no way regional Victoria will host a Commonwealth Games and, you know, uh, in a decentralised approach through various regional cities across the state. I thought, absolutely no way. And now here we are and it is happening. So let's just hope that Jerome Weimar, Rochelle, is correct in that things are moving along, it sounds like, behind the scenes very smoothly and the infrastructure will be ready in time Mm. for it. And just to skip down the road is Geelong and we often sort of just roll Geelong into Melbourne at the moment. But Jen Cromedy, who's the former CEO of the Committee for Geelong and long-term resident, Jen, of Geelong, do you feel like maybe you are thrown into the Melbourne category when it comes to the areas that Geelong are hosting? We already know you've got some great stadiums, but as many callers have said, the road to Geelong, it's taking what should take an hour, it's taking three hours at the moment. What's at the top of your list when you're, your concern's three years on? Yeah, so Geelong people, well, the people I speak to always see that Geelong is very separate to Melbourne, even though we obviously have a lot of synergistic economic benefits with Melbourne. The big concerns, and look, I've, I've listened to the show, and I think it's been really great in terms of the detail people have discussed, but public transport, I think we've talked about the road infrastructure. The accommodation and housing absolutely is key, and I will stress that there already has been a commitment from the state to convert the accommodation in Geelong in Warren Ponds to social and affordable housing. We need to keep on them about that, but there is a lot of excitement, but we have to be strategic, and I will say legacy, we have to be strategic <laughs> because the decentralisation agenda for our state is so important for everyone. Absolutely. Uh, what about cost, just to finish up, because the Deputy Mayor of Geelong recently said that Geelong can't afford to host the Games. There's already a massive council budget black hole. Council just can't afford to pay. Yeah, look, what I will say about that is you can see there's already public commentary around the relationship between the state government and Geelong Council. And I think this will be an absolutely pivotal discussion for the community in the next few months. Monitors have now been put in place at Council as well. Um, There's an acting CEO in place. So at the moment, we don't have a CEO at Council. So while everyone's super excited, I think we need to be really clear, as I said, and strategic about how we leverage this. And the community needs to have a voice on that relationship. Mm. 
There's really so much to win and to gain from this. Uh, there really is. And initially when it was touted that this is going to be a regional Commonwealth Games, I think there was fist pumping absolutely all across the state. So it's just a matter of doing it well. And three years, it feels like a short time, but there's still enough time in order to make sure that we do it as well, not just for the tourists, for the athletes, but for the locals in those areas. Jen, sorry it was short, but thanks so much for your time. <laughs> no problem. Pleasure. Jen Cromedy, who's the former CEO for the committee for Geelong. Lots of just different responses to this, Fiona Parker. People talking about, well, what about the locals? People just don't think about us. We have to live here. You can't rely on volunteers. But then on the flip side, people so excited to be able to fly the flag, say, well, I will volunteer. And that housing, it can be a huge opportunity. If it isn't going to be built directly for people that need it, if it's being built, you know, around the side gate for athletes, then let's just hope that down the track it's a house and it's a home for people who need it the most. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, let's hope that in three years it's all thumbs up and all going smoothly and we're just in the middle of competition and we're talking about results and, you know, gold medals for Aussies. Absolutely, and you in the midst of flying your flag and giving people directions on how to get to local areas. Fiona Parker, as always, joining us from ABC Bendigo. Thanks so much. We'll speak to you soon. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Michelle.